Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Wilderness, the very word stirs up emotions. For some of us, it's a place that we want to avoid. You know, Webster defines it this way. It's an uninhabited terrain or a pathless wilderness. That's where we find ourselves today. As you look about, we're in Zion National Park. 229 square miles of majestic peaks and beautiful valleys. It's an incredible place. Elevation starts at about 4,000 feet above sea level and elevates all the way over to 8,000 feet. And you know, depending on the season, in this hospitable kind of environment, you could either freeze to death or die of dehydration. The temperatures drop as low as 15 below zero or up to over 115 degrees. Today, we're on the high side. We're over 100 degrees today as we've taken time to hike through the narrows. All the beautiful videos and pictures you've seen were from our wonderful hike today. It was an incredible time. But you know, in a place like this, that's hostile and barren, what usually could start off as a great little fun walk and a hike with friends, if we're not careful, can end up being a life or death situation. You know, that's Aaron Ralston's story. Aaron grew up not too far from here, just up in Marion, Ohio. As a young man, his family moved to Colorado where he brought up the love of hiking, outdoor adventure, and all the things from an adventure seeker in those places. And it was April of 2003, 258 miles from where I'm standing right now, that Aaron had a solo excursion. He's down in the canyon slots, exploring, having a great time, and all of a sudden a boom hits, an 800 pound boulder comes down the slot, pins his left hand against the canyon wall. Aaron, all alone, nobody knows where he is. He's in a wilderness all by himself. Over the next five days, trapped to the canyon wall, Aaron consumes all of his food and all of his water, all alone in his wilderness. He comes to the realization that nobody's coming. Nobody knows where he is and nobody's gonna find him. In that moment, he takes out his pocket knife and he carves on the wall the date of his birth and the date of his presumed death. <laughs> he does a little video talk to his family and to his parents, and he says this, saying farewell is also a bold and powerful beginning. When all hope is lost, Aaron has an epiphany that the only thing that's keeping him pinned to this canyon wall is his left arm. So he takes out his multi-tool, which is just really a fancy pocket knife. And in less than one hour, he amputates the top part of his arm. His journey isn't over. He now has an eight mile trek back to the parking lot with his car. So as he begins to head that eight miles, if that wasn't bad enough, he has a 65 foot repel that he has to do with one arm at that moment. Does Aaron survive? Does the wilderness win? Does the desire to live overcome all things? Well, that's his story. Today, you may not be pinned to a canyon wall by an 800 pound boulder, but you're feeling stuck. We've all had seasons like that when we feel emotionally, physically, or even spiritually lost and like we're all alone. We're in our own internal wilderness, those feelings of loneliness and isolation, or just a feeling like we have no direction or just that we're spiritually dry and empty. Some of you may say, Pastor, that's what I feel like today. And let me just say, I'm sorry that's where you find yourself, but listen, we've all been there. I, I've had those seasons. You ever had those times when you you're surrounded by a lot of people and yet you still feel all alone. Or on the outside, everything looks like it's going great, but internally you know that your soul is just drying up. It's a barren wasteland. You ever been there? Have you felt that way? Well, today I think that's something we all can relate to. 
In these kind of moments, boy, our natural response is to see if we can do all we can to avoid those kind of feelings, right? We, we self-medicate and attempt to kind of dull the pain that we're feeling. We just stay really, really busy because if we're busy, then we don't have time to think about how we're feeling and how we're processing what's happening to us at this season of life. Or we just stuff it down really deep. We die this so slow, silent death and we suffer in silence. In these kind of wilderness experiences, it not only affects us emotionally, but it can affect us spiritually. If we're not careful, we became angry and, and upset at God. God, why would you allow these things to happen? Ask questions like, God, why have you abandoned me? Or, or God, are you angry at me? Are you punishing me through this season of wilderness? Or even worse than that is this feeling like, God, have you abandoned me altogether? Have you forgot about me? Have you left me in this kind of wilderness? I'm in the wilderness, what Webster defines as a pathless terrain. And the promises and the presence of God seem like they're a thousand miles away. Over these next few weeks, I wanna help you define what your wilderness looks like. I wanna challenge you to not just simply endure, to not just simply power through it, but I wanna challenge you to embrace this season of wilderness. You know, Aaron Ralston went on to write an autobiography in which he titled Stuck Between a Rock and a Hard Place, which is a fantastic title. It also went on to inspire a movie called 127 Hours. And in that, here's a quote that he writes. Mountains are the means, the man is the end. The goal is not to reach the top of the mountains, but to improve the man. In other words, to find purpose and meaning in the midst of this season of wilderness that you're facing. There's something in your wilderness. God has something for you in this time and in this place if we simply will endure. You know, it's in the book of Ephesians that he says, I want you not just to suck it up, try harder and power through. He says, I want you to learn how to redeem the time, to redeem this wilderness. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Look carefully then on how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Here's the key. Verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I mean, that's a hope for us, right? That we would leverage this season. I wanna encourage you today that God has something for you in the midst of this wilderness. And that brings us to the second, I think, misconception about God when we find these seasons of difficulty and struggle. It's the idea that God is punishing us by putting us in this wilderness experience. But if we can learn to embrace what's happening at this time of life, I think we can really look at this differently. We can be reminded that God brought you to the wilderness not to punish you, but to prepare you for something great. Over the next few weeks, we're gonna see this over and over, men and women that God took into the wilderness, not for punishment, but for preparation of something great. And that's my hope for us over these next few weeks. So as we look around in this hot, dusty place, can I just remind you that God is with you even in these places. It's the wilderness. It's God's tapestry where he humbly takes time to teach us, to humble us, and to test us. The wilderness. I, I'm so glad you're here. I, I'm looking forward to these next five weeks together. And um, I think what I'm excited about is there's the potential for some of you to get unstuck in some areas in your life personally, relationally, more important, spiritually, where you just feel like I can't get past this point in this moment. For some of you, you're going to, I think, hopefully experience and see God in a new and a fresh way that really will be transformational. And so that's my prayer for me. My prayer for you is that over these next five weeks that God would transform us, 
that God would do something unique and something powerful in our lives in there. But I want to encourage you that that's going to take something from you to make this happen. One of the things is simply just an encouragement. Can I encourage you just prioritize church for five weeks? Say, hey, I'm going to make this happen. Five weeks going to show up, five weeks in a row, start a new habit, whatever it would be that's on though. Because over these five weeks, every Sunday, we're going to have a new location that we film from from different places around the country with a new theme that relates a little bit about this. But in order to really experience what we're talking about, this transformational kind of impact in our lives, friends, it's going to require something of you in that process. I want to challenge you to do over these next five weeks something that is really countercultural to the world we live in. It's going to require you to, to lean into a little bit of your discomfort. It's going to require you to, to walk into your, your wilderness, to be open and vulnerable with yourself to say, this is what I'm feeling and experiencing along these things. And, and I share that with you because our natural tendency, right, is just to avoid pain at, at all at all cost, right? Seek only what is pleasurable. We tend to gravitate towards comfort. We resist the struggle. We always default to the path of least resistance. <laughs> the problem is, and you know it and I know it, is that's not how life works. Pain is fundamentally unescapable, and growth requires resistance. I I've got a gym pass. In fact, I've got two gym passes. <laughs> They're not really working out for me. So someday I'm going to actually head in there and try to figure out what's going on, what's wrong, right? What's the problem with that thought? The reality is progress requires resistance. So even though I have two gym passes that are on my keychain, unless I actually go into the gym and press against the weight, I'm not going to experience progress. The same is true with the wilderness. If your number one goal in life is to avoid the wilderness or walk around the wilderness, you're never going to experience the growth and development that God has for you in the midst of it. And this is so countercultural because in 2023, man, we have become experts and masters of the avoidance of pain and struggle. I mean, think about it. We reach for a drink every time things get a little bit stressful. We leave a relationship every time it starts to get a little bit tough or awkward. We people please until we're spread paper thin. We procrastinate important tasks and important projects and put them off for fear that we might not actually be able to accomplish them. We hover over our kids and we try to spare them of any negative feeling or life experiences. We talk ourselves out of dreams and ambitions because it's the path of least resistance. And if any of those re resonate with you, then I would encourage you, boy, these next five weeks, I think, have some hope for you. And they've got some encouragement about how God wants to meet you in the midst of your desert experience. So here's my commitment to you. As we journey together in this series called The Wilderness, listen, you won't have to journey alone. One of our commitments as a church family together is to say, hey, let's walk through life together. So every Sunday at the end of our service, we'll have a prayer team that's down here in front. And if there's just things that God's laying on your heart or just questions you have, can I invite you every Sunday? Just feel free to come down, talk with them, share with them, pray with them. They can let you know if you're new to our church, some ways our ministry, our church has ministries that can support you and come alongside you and just that you don't have to journey alone. But let me remind you, you don't have to journey alone, but friends, you've got to do the work. You've got to lean in 
to some things that may feel uncomfortable at times. James chapter 1, verse four, 2 and 4 says it this way. Dear brothers, is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Then be happy. <laughs> Why? For when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Don't try to squirm out of your problems. For when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you will be ready for anything. Strong in character, full and complete. The route to healing, the route to freedom in your life is straight through the wilderness that sits before you. So over the next few weeks, again, we're going to look at many examples of men and women who God intentionally brought into the wilderness to humble them, to test them, and to teach them. Now, don't miss the purpose of that. The purpose of the wilderness was for their benefit and their growth. And if we're not careful, in the midst of struggle, we can twist that. And we begin to feel this way, that the wilderness, the struggle, is really God's punishment on our life. That God's mad at us, right? He's bringing these experiences. He's making these relationships fall up around you because God's angry at you because he remembers what you did in high school. And he's been waiting to get back with you until that moment. And so here we go. That God is, think about this, that God is this vengeful God who looks down trying to punish you and make your life miserable for the things that you've done wrong. And if that's how you view God, you'll never walk to the wilderness. In this series, I want to challenge you to think about God and the heart of God in a different way. Here's the thought, the big thought for the whole series. What if God is using the wilderness in your life not to punish you, but to prepare you? Not to punish you, but to prepare you for what God has for you. Here's what I reminded. Because we have a limited perspective, and because we have a limited perspective, the wilderness can feel like punishment. And that's not wrong, it's just not complete. Because our perspective is limited. Let me give you an example of that today. If you've got your Bibles, if you would, turn me to the book of Exodus chapter 13. If you've got your phones and you're new here, you can go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there. Uh, all the ways to get connected with the church, things that are happening, lexcity.info, that's there. So Exodus chapter 13. Most of you are familiar with the context of Exodus chapter 13. It's the story of Moses leading the nation of Israel out of slavery from Egypt, and God's going to lead him. And where does God lead them into? The? <laughs> there you go. Have you got the theme yet for the uh, series? God leads them into the wilderness. Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and they return to Egypt. Context. The path of ease, the path of least amount of struggle, the fastest path, the quickest way between two points is what? A straight line. And in the context of the exodus of the nation of Israel, that is the way of the Philistines. Let me show you a map that's on here. And again, it's on your uh, lexcity.info there. On the very top, you see the Mediterranean Sea. On the left-hand side, the exodus from Egypt. On the top, you see a little red line. That is the way of the Philistines. The easiest, the quickest route between freedom and the promised land was this route. Right along the sea, beautiful scenery, cool breeze coming off the sea as we go. This would be a fantastic place that could take a matter of weeks to get there. But I'm reminded of this. When we have a limited perspective, 
The wilderness can feel like punishment. And it's not wrong. It's just incomplete. See, God knew something that the nation of Israel did not know. That the easiest route, the fastest route, would ultimately be the route that would lead them to their demise. Because the way of the Philistines has an important word in the title. The title is Philistines. One of the greatest, most ruthless armies that were there. And God knew this. You're not ready for war. You have no army. (laughs) You have no weapons. This would quickly lead to your demise. And so God takes them deeper into the wilderness and actually takes them the opposite direction. Can I remind you not to punish them, but to prepare them for the day of victory. And here's the beauty. A day of victory awaits. For some of you, you're in this wilderness moment, and I'm going to tell you on the other side of the struggle, a victory awaits in that area that God wants to do in your life. And so we have this very moment. So from the very start, when the nation of Israel leads, God leads them the opposite direction of what culturally would say is the easiest, funnest, quickest route. He says, rather than going north, I'm going to take you deeper into the wilderness. Verse 18, but God led the people around the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Equipped for battle simply implies not that they left as an army, but they left in an orderly fashion. They marched out. It wasn't chaos. They left out of order, and they go. And where does God take them from the very beginning? Rather than north and the easy, he says, I'm taking you deeper into the wilderness, the way of the Red Sea. And so you'll see that map one more time. And the part that goes down and all that red and all that squiggly line, that is the path that the children of Israel took. Now, some of you look at that map and you say, oh, pastor, that's my life. My life has not been the, the, the way of the Philistines. It's down, it's chaotic, it's back and forth. I feel like I'm going the opposite direction of my goals. I feel like I'm wandering. I feel like I'm lost. I feel like I have no idea where I'm gonna end up. Can I propose to you today? You might be exactly where God wants you to be at this moment. So the nation of Israel is rolling down by the Red Sea feeling, I don't know why we're here. This doesn't make sense. This is harder. God said, no, you're... I have a perspective you don't. You are exactly where I want you to be. That God has the big picture. That God knows what's on the other side of your current relationship struggle. That God sees your job situation five years from now that you can't figure out how you're going to get through the next day. God sees those things. That God has a bigger and broader perspective. He sees what he has for our children. He sees what the what the next season of life is for us. So we continue on as we think about that with the nation of Israel and their challenge that's supposed to be there, that God says, listen, I, I know you feel like you're in the wilderness, but you feel that only because your perspective is so limited. You're living right now in the, in the here and now, in the pain, in the frustration, and the unknown, in the fear of today, and you've lost a bigger perspective. That's a powerful word. That's a really helpful word for me. The challenge of always preaching series is you end up having to learn things before you get to preach them, right? And uh, this wilderness one, that's been one. Been in a little season of just some frustration from discouragement from some things, some unknowing. And you have those, those times you have those walk with God. I've had these walk with God, and this is the yelling of the walk with God. God, I don't understand the land of the Philistines. It's really easy. I I can figure out. I can connect A to B. I know this is the route where we should be going. And God, 
in his infinite kindness and patience with me and my wife in that still small voice reminds me, Brian, you have a limited perspective. Will you just trust me in a little bit of this moment? Small voice speaking the truth of, can I remind you, I'm not just preparing you, but I am protecting you from an enemy that is on scene for you at this moment. So do what you know to do in this moment and be obedient in this moment and trust me for the future, but you're upset about you're not going a route that you think is the route you should go, and I'm just telling you, God, to me, like, you just don't, you don't have the picture. <laughs> so trust me in this moment. Be present in this moment. Be attentive. <clears throat> you ever have that struggle? You ever struggle to be attentive in the moment when you're in struggle? I mean, in our natural tendency, when hardship comes, right, our mind and our hearts always race towards the what-ifs. The worst possible case scenarios. All of a sudden, fear is gripping us because we have imagined all these things. And we position ourselves, right? Kind of in this idea of self-protection. What if? Could this be? And we're so, Rather than opening ourselves to a posture of trust and learning, we self-protect. And the challenge is, in those moments, we're just trying to survive rather than trying to learn what God has for us in the midst. And when we do that, I know it's true in my life, and you can probably relate to it. When we do that, we miss what God is trying to teach you about yourself and what God is trying to teach you about his heart. So what is God trying to do in your life in this wilderness moment? What is he saying to you about your marriage? What's he saying to you about your relationships? How is God trying to mold your dreams and your ambitions? What is God preparing you for and protecting you from? Today, as I think about that reality and what that looks like in our lives, I'm, I'm reminded, uh, today you're going to hear a neat story from our friend Beto, and uh, he's going to share a little bit of his journey, how in the midst of some of the most difficult wilderness, God showed him and molded him and showed up in a new and a fresh way. This is a little a battle story. Uh, hi, my name's uh, Gilberto Reyes, but most people know me as uh, Smiley. I lived in Lexington most, most of my life. I made a few decisions, you know, when I was in middle school that kind of, you could say, paved the way of me <laughs> ending up in the situations that I got myself into. By the time I was 15, I already hit maybe 10, 12 times in the juvenile system, really not thinking that much of it because it's more of, you know, stripes, you know, like how many stripes can I get before, you know, so I could show the homies like, hey, I'm down. I was 16, uh, I committed my first felony. I was able to plead out to robbery second because they didn't find a, a firearm and that gave me a, an automatic five years. On the day that I turned 18, I went to county. When I got out, caught a wanted endangerment, second, carried, you know, another felony. So now I got two felonies under my belt. Not only was I facing the one year that they gave me for the wanted, but they gave me, I still had the five on top of the shelf for the robbery. And I went to uh, Eastern, Eastern Kentucky Correctional Complex in West Liberty. Instead of them putting me in, in, in Gen Pop, you know, I'm, I'm in Max. You know, I'm in GG, you know, I'm in GG with 
you know, the killers, you know, everybody that, that you know, raped, killed, you know, you name it, like that's, that's where they put them at. It was a wake up call because like I'm a kid, you know, surrounded by predators and I'm like, I have to, I have to represent. So in a way it was like, I didn't have a choice. I was outnumbered, you know? And so I'm like, nah, like, like let's, let's get down to the nitty gritty and, and let's, let's, let's see, let's see where this takes us. I spent a month in the hole and everything. And once again, I was in there contemplating like, what is my life about? And you know, that devil on my shoulder were like, what are you contemplating about? You know, this is what you chose, you know? You want your stripes, let's represent. There was choices that I had to make, you know, in order to be able to survive, you know, because that feeling of like, hey, you need to go handle him. If not, we're gonna handle you. It's like, what? why me? Wanting them stripes, wanting them colors, wanting them to respect me, wanting to have all the women on me, wanted, wanted, you know, that I wanted that. And this is where it got me. Back in 17, 2017, I'm talking with a legal aide. Uh, his name was Glenn. I had asked him like, hey, uh, I just want to know how much time I have left. You know, we didn't hear back till a month and a half. And my counselor called me and she tells me, man, it's, it's come to our attention that you did 370 something days extra of your your sentence. Once I knew it was real it was because she was like, can you get a hold of some family members to come pick you up? I called my wife, you know, and like we had this little thing, right? Where like we would like pretend that we're going out or whatnot. I'm like, hey babe, she's like, what's up? Like, you trying to go out tonight or what? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you're gonna come pick me up? She didn't believe me, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, I don't know what I did to convince her, but somehow I convinced her to, you know, come pick me up. You know, I, I went to church with her a few times. In the beginning, it was like, let's come, because I don't want my wife nagging at me. The second was, we're gonna go, but I don't wanna listen to the worship. And now it's to the point where it's like, I don't wanna hear the sermon without listening to the worship, because I'm, I'm all balanced. I'm at this crossroad and I'm thinking like, you know what? I've done all this. I've done all, everything, the stripes, the game banging, the prison, the county, I've, I've done all of this. Me going in circles, doing the exact same thing over and over again, I'm getting the exact same reaction. We were having an issue in my marriage and we went up and, and I spoke with Dave and he's like, well, you know, we have a men's group. And I'm like, man's group? I'm like, what, what is this? I'm like, I got out of one crew and I want to join another one. Come on, man. And that exact same day, <laughs> my wife goes talk to Wendy. So I get invited to the men's group and my wife gets invited to the couples group. It was a big step for me going to these two groups. But little by little in my heart, like I just, I felt the difference. This is what I was looking for. You know, the, the wants and needs that I needed when I was a gangbanging, I found it here. Back then, we were going to war for numbers and streets that weren't ours. Now I'm going to war for my brother that was just like me, that is in a whole different other gang, but I want him to be right here next to me. There's nothing I, w I would change. There's nothing I wouldn't go back and, and, and why? Because now I have the experience to sit here and, and, and to talk amongst people that 
you know, maybe don't know how to adapt to the outside world. Maybe they just been out a few days and, and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to move. And now I'm in the point in life where, you know, I can. I know that with God, you know, that I will do everything to the best of my abilities in, in his eyes. You know, sometimes people sit here and ask me, you know, when, when, when I, you know, tell them my life story, and they ask me like, hey, uh, did you ever sue? You know, did you ever sit here and did you ever feel some type of way? Did you ever hold a grudge? And the simplest thing that I can tell them is, you know, from all the grimy things that I have done to people for everything that I've sit here and I've committed, no, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. You know, I'm grateful because like it's a learning experience. You know, I can sit here and I can say that, you know, I'm one of the few that actually made it out. I gave a year of my life you know, to, to the system, but I'm here right now. I'm, I'm, I'm here with you guys. I'm here, you know, breathing, talking, eating, you know, whenever I want to eat, cause oh man, but. <laughs> <laughs> this summer with uh, the guys group, we got asked to go uh, clay shooting and the address just to happen to say, you know, something, something was Liberty, Kentucky. After so many years of being out, I'm going right back to, you know, the place where I spent the whole extra year. We're headed off. Me thinking, oh, we're going to take the same way that we came. I'm like, no, it took us through Bluegrass uh, Parkway. By this time, I'm looking at the scenery around, and I'm like, man, this looks familiar. We're turning, and boom, there you see it. You know, Eastern Kentucky Correctional Complex. I had a flood of emotions, you know. I was sad, I was angry, terrified, but most of all, I was happy and grateful. Why? Because I'm sitting here looking around me. I came from that to this. Now I have a relationship with Jesus. I want him to use me for whatever he wants to use me for. Whether that's sitting here and speaking to people, you know, telling them that I'm here, or it's sitting here and speaking to kids at, you know, at, at a school and letting them know like, hey, like this, this ain't the life that you really wanna choose. The love that I needed from a father, the love that I needed from, from, from a big homie, none of that compares to the love that he can give me. You know, and, and just me being able to sit here and, and express my feelings and let people know like, hey, there's another way. Like, I'm more than willing and happy to do it. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing. On the other side of hurt, on the other side of disappointment, the other side of misjustice, an entire year beyond what was necessary. Today we get to enjoy and see a man who loves God and loves people and loves our church and loves to be a part of the family we're in. That's the powerful truth about Embedo's life how God forged some of these things into his character through the wilderness of incarceration. And he chose to, in that moment, say, God, I trust your heart and what you have, and I want to see what you have for me in the midst of this, and it's so powerful. These are the hard lessons. These are the lessons that took the nation of Israel, and not all of them made it, 40 years in the wilderness. 
to try to understand, could they trust the heart of God in the midst of this, that God was using this time to prepare them to do something in their heart because he had something greater for them on the other side, and they just couldn't get out of their own way and sometimes their own pain, and they were missing the lesson over and over. But what I love about the heart of God is that in these moments of wilderness, God says, I will journey with you. God doesn't just say, hey, figure it out, and when you get it all figured out, then come chat with me. Israel, take your, whenever you get the wilderness thing, when you're finally in the promised land, then I'll meet you there. Beto, you get your life figured out, and when it's all figured out, then I'll meet you on the other side. No, God says, man, I promise to journey with you in the midst of the wilderness that's there. Go on to verse 20 in the same chapter. And when they moved from Sakath and encamped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness, verse 21, and the Lord, here's a key, went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. For 40 years, God journeyed with his people through the wilderness. He journeyed with them in their times of greatest victories, and he journeyed with them in their times of greatest defeat. He was there when their faith was great, and he was there when their faith was full of doubt and grumbling. And the great part, is that God promises to do the same for you and he promises to do the same for me. Today, this series, we've been talking about wilderness. And my guess is that for many of you, there is already something that's came to your heart and mind. A person, a situation, a diagnosis, or whatever it would be that you're like, man, that's my thing right now. It's where I find myself stuck. That's where I find myself in fear about what the future holds. It's that relationship or lack of relationship struggle that's creating this. It's this financial or family burden to me that just feels overwhelming and I don't know how we're gonna get through it to the next month and where we're gonna go. It's your current wilderness. So where you find yourself today, here's the challenge. Would you be willing just to lean into it? Would you be willing to embrace it? Would you move toward your uncomfortableness? Would you take a moment and whatever it is that's happening in your life and not view it as a punishment or an injustice, but rather see it as a faith-stretching preparation for what awaits you next? Because God promises this, that he will journey with you through the wilderness with the end result being not only your growth, but his glory. And so he says, will you just trust me? Will you know that I have the bigger picture? Well, you know that I have great plans for you. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says it this way. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church slash give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.